The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Monday edition of Brutal Nation. I hope you guys had yourself a great freaking weekend party on a whole weekend of Fourth of July-ness. You know, I, well, that's the week after, but I'm hoping that you guys didn't have to work the whole week starting from Monday on the 4th all the way through. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the beast from the east. <laughs> Danny the Sasquatch Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. All right. I guess Iowa is a little east of here, huh? Yeah, well, that's that's why I had to go with the beast from the Middle East, uh, from from the east thing, because God damn it, it's just, you know, best from the west is not quite flying with me. <laughs> the beast from the Middle East, huh? <laughs> now, now you got to just go. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then you'll jihad. I hate you. <laughs> and I bet you we have. He's so racist. Jesus Christ. Look here, sugar tits. I make fun of freaking everybody. everybody. Like, there's nobody that's really safe. I make fun of white people, black people, Asians. Yeah. Um, I make fun of Greeks every once in a while, and I'm half Greek. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Germans. Definitely, I make fun of Germans. That's, that's pretty high on my list. You do. You always say fucking Germans. I, I do. I, I was actually talking to my waxer. Yesterday about that because we, we we were just talking about some some weird shit and uh, then that came up and I said here's something and I told her about that one that I found and it's just oh yeah no that's that's beyond fucking disgusting I said yeah, yeah. it's gross man yeah especially when it's a sh- shock a surprise and it didn't say it on Pornhub in any of the descriptions surprise <laughs> yeah it's like surprise here's a little bit of poop and some vomit it's like um I didn't sign up for that that's nine. Nine. <laughs> oh yeah. man! All right, so let's get into Miss Christina Melvair. I kind of like that name. It's kind of yeah. a sexy name. I'm going to say that right off the bat. And I know that if she's on our show, she's pretty fucked up. Well, kind of, but not really. Oh, okay. Because yeah, there, I mean, there's. She's kind of stupid, but okay. <laughs> I can I can handle a little bit. Like no, not over a huge amount of stupid, but I like that name, Christina Melvair. It sounds elegant. You know, she sounds like yeah. she might be hot. Uh, she's not bad looking. Yeah, mm. she's kind of, I mean, she's kind of like short in stature and everything. And she's French, but still, she's she's not that plain kind of, you know, looking French. Well, she, I mean, when she dressed up for court, she was actually very pretty. Then I like it says, parlez-vous scotté? <laughs> <laughs> Do you speak Scott? <laughs> Do you speak scotté? Well, if that's a wee-wee, come to me, me. <laughs> But shave your goddamn armpits because that's, that's gross. That's right, because that's gross. <laughs> okay, the title for this one I put, The One Nurse That Launched an Epic Controversial Media Debate Around the World. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Um, normally when we feature Medical Monday killer serial killers, we commonly see they have the moniker Angel of Death. Some have been called Angel of Mercy, and imagine my surprise when I actually saw that she has been referred to as the Madonna of Euthanasia in the press. After I dug further and further into the case, I realized why they would call her that. Her case sparked a debate in France, which practically split the country right down the middle when it came to those who supported her and those who condemned her. 
I haven't been, seen a case this controversial since we talked about Mary Bell in England. Oh, and yeah. Bernardo and Homolka in Canada. Oh, yeah, no, don't even get me started on that fucking sugar titted bitch. Right. Carla, I hope you're listening to this. You're still a fucking twat. <laughs> you, you still. You let dude. your boyfriend rape your sister and then you killed yeah. your sister. I don't care what you say. I'm not, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop there because you know me. I, I hear say, her name. It's a year later and we're still calling her sugar tits of the air. I just. It, because it disgusted me yeah. so much. And I, I, I said on that show, I don't like my brother Philip. However, exactly, exactly. I'm not going to let somebody come in and rape him and, and, and eventually kill him. Right. You know, and, and, and tape the whole thing. Yeah. And then video the whole thing, sit there and go, yeah. oh, it wasn't me that was involved. It was all him. And I was scared, you lying twat. I know, right? I wish they wouldn't have destroyed those tapes. But, however, in, with those cases, the country, the controversy lied in the outrage the country had towards their justice system. This case was controversial because of the reason Christine gave for her motivation. And it's also one of the first cases I've seen where the judge decided to change the defendant's charges to counts that would have a more severe penalty than the one she was originally facing. So, wait a minute. What years is this? Because, um, I mean, that's... 19, like, late 90s, early 2000s. No, that, that recent? Yep. I was thinking like 1940s, 1950s no. or some shit. But okay, no. yeah, party on. That yeah. Means, that means Christina might still be alive. Hey, baby. Yeah, she is. Kind of. Oh, hey, baby. Why don't you come call me? Parlez-vous, <laughs> And if not, I will teach you. I will teach you how to speak Scott. <laughs> it's pretty easy to speak Scott. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty simple dude, yeah, man. <laughs> you kind of are. I, don't know, I try not to make my life very fucking complex. Yeah, no. So, um, on May 3rd, 1998, 71-year-old Jacques Cotin was at the Francois Canet Hospital in Montes La Jolie, Paris. You know, you, I know this is in France, but normally we don't start off with something that is specifically that country. You know what I mean? Like everything that you just said. Mm-hmm. If if you did, if you never even said this was in France or in Paris, you know, you would automatically go, "Motherfucker, that's Paris. Yeah, that's, that's France. That's what." Yeah. Every, every word you just said. Yeah, it's actually in Montes La Jolie, but you know, I don't. Um, that sounds like a sex position. Yeah, kind of a little. <laughs> so um, when the doctors told him he had terminal cancer, okay, when he asked them how long they expected him to live, they told him two weeks, okay, which means that's very advanced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, his family and friends didn't even get a chance to say their goodbyes because he died later that afternoon. Now, we've covered many cases involving older, considerably ill patients that die so suddenly that their death is suspicious to everyone around. That was the case with Jacques' death. However, rather than wonder what possibly could have happened, the other nurses on the floor immediately directed their suspicions toward Christine Malvert. And, I mean, they, they actually, the nurses nicknamed her the Black Widow. Um... Christine was another nurse on the narrow pulmonology ward who pulled a card from Colin Norris's book of medical serial so killers. Hold on, if you say narrow because pulmon, that, that's heart. Right, narrow is head. Oh, okay, so it's a. It's that's really yeah. weird because normally neurologists are neurologists and pulmonary specialists are pulmonary specialists. Right, but this was like an ICU unit. 
for neurology and pulmonary patients. Okay, no, okay, no, yeah. I, I totally understand that. They're, they're like, they're like, yeah, uh, but usually in a hospital, yeah, usually in a hospital like here, we see the pulmonary ward and we see the neurology ward. You know, right, right, but I can see that. I mean, it's yeah. more, it'd be more efficient to do at least two, maybe three severe cases type type of uh, right. ailments all in one. Right. You know, kind of area. I, no, I, I can see that. I can see that. Right. Cool. And like all other ICU units, it's kind of set up in a horseshoe where you have the nurses outside where they can actually see directly into the rooms at all times. So um, she pulled actually a card from Colin Norris's book of medical serial killers. She had been making predictions earlier that day, telling everyone Jacques wouldn't make it through the afternoon. I have my crystal ball. In that field? <laughs> yeah. She made these claims despite the fact that from the time he was admitted until around noon, his vitals were very stable and he appeared to be rather healthy, which means he wasn't on that rapid decline yet. Right, right, right. So despite the fact they couldn't yet prove it, the rest of the nurses on the ward thought they were pretty sure she was responsible. They were so sure they took their concerns straight to the hospital de- director, Henri Gossett. Uh, after all, Jacques wasn't the only patient that died on the ward under mysterious circumstances. And his name is Jacques. <laughs> right? You cannot kill this Jacques. <laughs> Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> I love Jacques Cousteau because that motherfucker was crazy. You know, we are 1,300 leagues under the Calypso and there is a big giant man-eating squid that I will poke <laughs> in the butt with my finger. The Kraken. <laughs> and you're like, Dude, Jacques, you realize that thing will kill you, right? We don't care. Yeah. We have wine. (laughs) In fact, it seemed like more people died while Christine was on shift than when she was not. Um, Being that this case is out of France, I was shockingly able to dig up some information about her early history, which is weird. She was a native um, of Montes-la-Jolie, born on January 10th, 1970. So she's only a couple years older than you and me. Damn, she gets hotter and hotter. Yeah, she's around my sister's age. Did, did you did you put a picture in the uh, share drive um, or anything? I think so. I'll just keep going. I'm just going to yeah. Google that shit. Keep going. I, I got to yeah. see what this chick looks like. So on the surface, it appeared as if her early child, her early life was somewhat ordinary when compared to other individuals we've covered, like Charles Cullen, you know, who had a very you know, not controversial childhood, but you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, however, under that facade, there were two issues that would have a significant impact on her psyche later in life. First, her little sister had health problems that monopolized the attention of her parents, leaving her feeling neglected and unloved. Then second, when Christine was 12 years old, one of her teachers sexually assaulted her. Dude, I'm looking at her pictures right now. Yeah, she's not bad looking. She's very cute. Yeah. Christine, honey, let's play doctor, baby. Yeah, she's got that kind of, you know, not really homey look. It's hard to explain, but yeah. She, well, she, she has that, like, because, you know, how can I put it? That girl next door. She has that MILF next door look is what she has. Oh, yeah, kind of. Like, she, like, seriously, man, like, yeah, she, I, yeah, I like her. Anyway, go ahead. I'm done. Let's sit over no, here and match I'd bang her. <laughs> oh, I so would, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So those who have experienced this type of abuse know it, know how it can affect your entire life. Um, even with extensive counseling, victims of sexual abuse can suddenly be triggered by a seemingly random event that they least expect. I'll circle back to my theory regarding how these situations impacted her decisions a little later in the presentation, though. So Christine claimed that watching how her parents cared for her sister was what motivated her to become a nurse. 
1995, after she received her nursing license, she was hired to work on the neuropulmonary ward at Francois Canet Hospital. After the other nurses went to gossip with their concerns, he actually reviewed the records of patients' deaths on Christine's ward. He must have felt there was something significant because on May 6th, he placed a phone call to the district attorney's office and requested they come in and conduct a formal investigation. Holy shit. Yeah. However, he also decided to confront Christine personally. When Gossett brought her into his office and questioned her, of course she denied any, everything, right? Everybody's going to. That makes sense. So Gossett later said that her statements weren't very convincing, which is why he decided to transfer her to a different ward immediately. Why he didn't suspend her or terminate her would normally be perplexing. But we feature cases like Niles Hogle mm-hmm. in the past, and I wasn't shocked because it's like they just pass you on. Yeah, that doesn't shock me a bit. Yeah. So Christine was deeply affected by Gossett's accusations. So when she got back home that day, she wrote out a letter declaring her innocence. Then she went into the bathroom. It took a handful of pills and in an attempt to end her life. It's obvious her suicide attempt failed because that would make a very short presentation. (laughs) Sometime after she passed out, her boyfriend returned home and found her lying on the bathroom floor. He immediately called the paramedics and they took her to the hospital. Ironically, she wound up being admitted to the psych ward of the same hospital she worked at. Yeah. That's awesome. I know, right? (laughs) So, even though it appeared as if Christine was experiencing some sort of mental anguish, the district attorney moved forward with the investigation. He started by interviewing Christine's co-workers, and they didn't hesitate to tell the district attorney why they were suspicious of the other nurse's actions. Apparently, she decided to also pull cards from the playbooks of several angels of death. What the other nurses told the district attorney reminded me of some of the things Janine Jones did. For instance, they felt that Christine was, quote, very close to the patients on the ward. And when they died, she would always be the first one to volunteer to prepare their bodies so their families could come in and say their goodbyes. Oh, Jesus Christ. At least she didn't run down the hall crying with them. That's right? what I thought you were going to go with that. Actually, yeah. I thought that's where you No, going. it's like the over-closeness, you know, the, and the uh, grief she felt. Right. Yes. Reports indicate that she was often seen at their funerals as well. Now, a lot of the reports I read suggested they thought this was strange behavior. But, I mean, I think I talked to you about this. It's not all that bizarre. Most people know that I grew up in the healthcare industry. My mom was a nurse, and she often went to the funerals of patients that passed away. However, if she didn't have a well-established nurse-patient relationship, for instance, like if they just came in that day, then I would find her behavior odd. After all, my mother never went to the funeral of patients that weren't on her wing or if they weren't ra- or if they were rather new to the facility. You know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, for my dad's funeral, the entire staff showed up. You know, cuz my dad was a charming man when he wanted to be. That's like me, very charming. Yeah, but then he could have been an asshole too. Oh wait, just like you. Yeah, a little bit. You know, I think that's why we get along. <laughs> I have my daddy issues. Oh, now that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to sit over here and stay quiet. You know what? Rooted me out. As much as you say about my mom, I'm surprised I don't call you daddy every day. That would that, that mm-hmm. would make my penis shrivel up. And I, I know. Would die. See? Just saying. So after the interviews were complete, investigators reviewed the records because they wanted to compare Christine's schedule with the patient's death on the ward. 
They determined that the list of patients' death coincided almost perfectly with the dates and times she was working her shift. One of the articles made the following comparison, which I found to be comical. A lot of death stuck to her like a creep on the subway. Nice. <laughs> I know. What the investigators were able to determine was that patients on the ward were three to four times more likely to die during her shifts. These numbers may seem low, but they are, in fact, staggering, you know, when it comes to deaths and hospitals and shit. Gotcha. Yeah. Once the investigators made that discovery on May 7th, they decided it was time for them to interrogate Christine herself. It was obvious she wasn't an experienced criminal because they didn't have to question her long before she had, like, crumbled like a cheap suit. She admitted that she murdered a couple dozen patients. They were surprised by the fact it didn't take long for them to get the nurse to talk. It's common. The investigators didn't really get her entire confession before they decided to have her arraigned. As Christine stood before the judge and he asked her about the patient's death, she began stuttering because, you know, she couldn't get it out. At first, he he recanted her original confession, claiming she only... Oh, she recanted, sorry. Um, claiming she only gave it under duress from the investigators interrogating her. I believe it. There were, and admit it, you called champagne, yeah. champagne when it was released, sparkling wine. <laughs> and she's all, no. See, I pictured all that bright light in the eyes. Where were you? <laughs> Where were you when we were making and serving out the red wine? <laughs> right. <clears throat> then she changed her story. It may have taken some time, but the court finally heard her somewhat unorthodox confession. According to her, she didn't murder her patients. Instead, she performed consensual euthanasia, which we refer to as assisted suicide. I thought we were going to, like, China or something, talking about (laughs) kids. Because, you know, the euthanasia, that can be a problem. They need food and some discipline. But okay, what kind of euthanasia? You're only allowed to have, what, two? I think so, yeah, because there's a ton of Chinese, man. And they don't have a shortage of population in China. No, not by far. <laughs> yeah, no. Plenty of Chinese to go around, man. Like, seriously. Right. they. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost whole villages and nobody fucking even knew. <laughs> like, just just disappeared like <laughs> Yeah. A, where did the Wanchang village go? There was a village like, here? What was that one area here that... Everybody disappeared. There was a... Um, Roanoke. Yeah, Roanoke. Thank you. I was going to say, there was an American Horror Story about it. So here's the kicker, though. That probably wasn't a good choice for her defense. Even though assisted suicide is legal in a lot of places around the world, it was and is illegal in France. Damn French. So, yeah, so ultimately, they charged with manslaughter. Okay. Even though Christine admitted to aiding in the death of her patients because she was only being charged with manslaughter, the judge granted her bail, which I understand. And considering this, considering this, one might think that she would be satisfied with her circumstances for the time being. However, that wasn't the case. She attempted to commit suicide a second time by taking another handful of pills. And again, this one was unsuccessful. Um, considering the nature of her confession, it's not surprising that in the beginning, the media was all over this case. In fact, her supposed motivation sparked a nationwide debate on consensual euthanasia. 
She even made an appearance on a French talk show where she talked about how she simply, her quotes, simply help patients who long for death. Now, the majority of French citizens ate up her words as if they were starving. France as a country has been split on the topic of assisted suicide right down the middle. One side is the Roman Catholic population with their strong hostility regarding compassionate euthanasia. On the other side is the increasing pressure from French liberals who want to decriminalize the process. Which, to me, assisted suicide is a good thing. I, I, I agree. I wanted if to throw it's in my, done right. I wanted to throw in my two cents on that. Because, okay, so <clears throat> when, I was, uh, when I was still married, uh, me and my, my last ex-wife, we were uh, at a hotel. I think we were in Gold Beach or something like that, um, right on the beach. And we watched the whole thing about uh, Dr. Sissett's suicide. It was right. about death. And uh, there was a guy on there, and I can't remember his name. But um, the dude was on oxygen. His quality of life was crappy. Oh, yeah. He talked about it with his doctor. He talked about it with his family. He yeah. said his goodbyes. He had his family over and everything like that. Totally. And he drank the, the you know, I, I call the, it poison punch. But, well, yeah, it was a morphine concoction, yeah. Yeah, and, and passed away... Peacefully. peacefully on his couch. Well, and that I think I think if you are that terminal, why suffer? Yeah, and that that's my whole thing, you know. And I, that, that's why I never could understand. Oh, we have to keep him alive for as long as we can. You, you're going to live another two years. What? Two more years of being in pain and just my life yeah. being fucked. Pain and suffering. Yeah, because I mean, I made the d- difficult choice of putting my dad on hospice when he got to be really bad, and. It was probably the best decision I made because when he got even worse that one day, it was like they were on it. I mean, his med provider was on it like blue bonnet. She was in that room every two hours on the dot to give him his morphine. You know, and and, and the one thing that I hear from Christians all the time is, well, it's well, it's mainly the Catholics. Uh, well, but yeah. It, I, I use Christian as a blanket term for I know. Catholics, too, except, it, you know, like the... <laughs> Unless you're talking about the one across the street from me. Well, no, Catholics molest kids, but, um, you know, so Christianity is like Catholicism without the molestation. Right. Um, but um, they go, it's against what God wants, and you're, just, you're destroying what God built. You know what? Honestly, if a God is going to let you suffer, right. what could be the purpose behind that? Well, and if you actually read the Bible, he's all about compassion. You know, yes, and I have read the Bible, except many for the times. Old Testament. He was kind of mean there, but whatever. In the Old Testament, God was more like a fucking pissed off, a disciplinarian. Yeah, you know, he was a pissed off teenager. He, you know, he went down to Adam and Eve and said, "Look, look, look. Okay, you guys can chill here for a little while. Okay, don't touch my stuff. Like that tree <laughs> right there, that's my stuff." That, and then he went away and he came back and said, "You touched my stuff. <laughs> you touch my stuff, dude. Fuck you. Get out of here." Yeah, you know, by yeah. and large. But um, yeah, what? I am all for being compassionate. Yes. And fuck sick. And I, I, I'll, I'll say this straight out so it's on record is if I ever get that sick and if it's illegal for doctor assisted suicide. Just kill you anyways. I'm going to blow my own brains out. <laughs> I'm not even kidding because why the fuck yeah. am I going to suffer for yeah. months yeah. and months? I don't, I don't understand years. that concept except for the fact that um, if you look at it from the healthcare perspective, they're getting more money. Oh, yeah, no, totally. It's, it's, it's totally a money grab right there. Yeah, and the pharmaceutical industry around here sucks ass. Oh, don't even get me started on that because I've said a million times. Pharmaceutical companies don't want to cure you of a fucking thing. No. 
what they want to do is they want to treat you yeah. forever because, you know, I, I've had this, I've had the same discussion. Let's say that you had terminal cancer mm-hmm. and I said, okay, Tammy, if your if your insurance covers this, it's, let's go with a good, let's go with a good amount. It's $50,000 yeah. for this that's, treatment. That's being cheap, but yeah. Okay. Uh, 50 grand. And, but you know what? You'll never get cancer again, ever, 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 right. ever, ever, ever. That sounds like a lot of money to a lot of people. However, if I can treat you for cancer and then other the problems that are associated with it, dude, I'm going to make a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars off of you in your lifetime. They're playing yeah. the long game, is what they're doing. Yeah. Well, and not just that. It's like I mean, they own the world. But yeah, I just. I don't like it at all. That's why I barely use any pharmaceuticals, to be honest. I mean, I use an asthma inhaler. I use my yeah. nighttime uh, allergy meds. Oh, yeah, because you're, like, totally into that natural stuff. I mean, because... There's an herb for everything. Well, yeah. like, when you were in pain, I, I recommended white willow Exactly. Bark. I was gonna, I was just going to re- say that, you know, because when my shoulder hurts so bad, you're like, just put this white willow bark stuff on it. And it actually helps. And it'll work better, because here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is, like, white willow bark is the base for aspirin. That's yeah. where aspirin comes from, folks. It comes from willow bark. Right. And I will say that the cream worked better than the pills. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's just, it like absorbs almost like the THC cream that I use sometimes. Yeah. Well, you get a little bit of menthol in there and what oh, have not. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it, it, it penetrates nice and deep. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. I got nice on my, and deep. I, yeah. I got on my tangent about freaking pharmaceutical yeah, companies. Yeah, no, me which too. Pharmaceutical consistently is, piss me yeah. off on a daily fucking basis because they want, you know, they, they want to give you a pill to like, uh, well, like the one for the flu that they had like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. And they said, you could be over the flu in as little as five to 10 days. Yeah. And you'll have diarrhea and all this, all the these side effects. The flu lasts for five, less than that. Yeah, so like <laughs> the flu usually lasts two or three days. Yeah. So I'm going to take this shit, my brain's out and feel like crap for five to 10. Oh, no. Yeah. That, yeah. No. That, that, we'll see. And that, that, that checks out. Yeah. I mean, give me that pill. Chris awesome. Rock has a bit. Where he talks about pharmaceuticals, he goes, you know, they haven't had a cure for anything since polio. He that goes, is true. I, he goes, I'm willing to bet they have a cure for cancer. They just don't want to give it to you. <laughs> I do have a cure for cancer. I know, but you know, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, pharmaceutical companies are just yeah, fucking whack. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So France is a country. Oh, I already said that. Uh, this split was practically a mirror to those who supported Christine and those who wanted to see her punished to the full extent of the law. She received more than 5,000 letters from people who supported her cause. Some even expressed an appreciation for her seemingly compassionate actions. In fact, Bernard Kouchner, a health minister, publicly stated, quote, everyone should avoid hasty moral judgment when it comes to her case. The media had even begun describing her as a, quote, model nurse who was helping those terminally ill patients end their life of misery for the good of the patient. Mm -hmm. However, her victims' families were outraged by the attention the press was giving the person who murdered their loved ones. The press's love for Christine was short-lived, though. The fickle media outlet suddenly turned on her when a journalist published an article titled Deadly Compassion. Now, people who read the article found out that Christine may have had as many as 30 victims. It even went into great detail about her, uh, her apparent, quote, morbid fascination with disease and death. After the article was published, the major associate in France that advocates for patients' right to die quickly retracted their support. 
That was what caused the majority of the public to back the prosecution's case. The media itself did a complete 180 on their compassion for the nurse. The one that one would have thought the press was Bo and Luke Duke and General Hazard running from Roscoe P. Coltrane. The yeah. prosecution boys they, better learn how to fly. That's right. And Boss Hog. We all loved him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you Duke boys. However, that didn't stop her from writing and publishing her book called My Confessions. In this book, Christine stated, quote, I help people to end their suffering and depart in peace. I did not kill. I am not a criminal. Now, from the moment Christine appeared in front of the judge for the first time, every time she told her story, she would keep the facts. She could never keep the facts straight. She started telling people that the deaths of her patients were a complete accident. And she actually said at one point, quote, the syringe slipped. Now, I mean, come on. That's worse than the time my ex-boyfriend told me it was an accident that he created a profile on a dating website. No, that, that, that was a total accident. Yeah, total and accident. That, right? Those drugs blew into my window because of the wind. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> no, it, no, the wind came in. The syringe just slipped. But hey, it happens, man. Christine, Christina, baby, I got your back, baby. Yeah, because yeah, you, you know how that is when, you, when you're with another woman and it just slips, huh? Oh, sometimes you call her by her mom's name and she gets all pissed off for no damn good reason. <laughs> keeping your family, man. I'm helping the whole family out. <laughs> it's, it's fun for the whole family. That's uh-huh. what that is. <laughs> so finally, the judge became so frustrated with her ever-changing tale, he was determined to prove she was lying. His next move shocked everyone present in the courtroom. He demanded a demonstration. Imagine everyone's surprise, she sa- I say sarcastically, when they discovered it takes quite a bit of force on the plunger of a morphine syringe to administer the necessary dose to end somebody's life. Because, I mean, you know, I was in the hospital recently because I had to have that emergency surgery because of my stomach. Right. They perforated you. They, they did. I was perforated. But when they gave me my morphine, they had to, I mean, it took them a minute to inject the whole thing. Holy shit. Because that's how slow the syringe goes. Imagine, oh, I, I, I honestly didn't know that syringes were timed. If that, if that's some I'm not, of them I'm, are, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a smart ass no. on this one here. I which really did, but it kind of makes sense because, like, when I was, you know, like for insulin syringes, yeah, you know, you can do that fairly, quickly. quick. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty easy to push them down, but no, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah okay, it, it was. I mean, because it's like because according to the doctor, because I'm like, why is it take? You know, why are you st- sitting here so long? Because I've never ha- usually they just give me a morphine drip. But, um, no, it, he goes, it takes a full minute because we can't push this that any quicker than that. I was like, oh, that makes sense. So, um, let's see. Da, 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 da. They can't be emptied in one quick push like an insulin wrench, like I said. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that was about the time that Christine's mask crumbled. Once the judge managed to prove the nurse was lying, he made a bold move and changed her indictment. Rather than charge her with manslaughter, he chose instead to charge her with first-degree murder. The difference was a a longer prison sentence. Damn, Judge, you're kind of a dick. Yeah. But she lied, so... She did lie. Christina, baby, I I had your back, but you kind of have it coming to you because you lied to the judge, and the judge... Well, he he called you out, and he... That's right. Yeah, he, he called you on your bullshit, so I can't really fault him for that. Exactly. So... Olivier Maurice, an attorney representing the families of five victims, because remember over there, the um, attorneys for the victims can also help the prosecution. Correct. Remember? Right, right. I remember that. Yeah. 
which I thought was odd, but okay. Regarding the way the judge changed her charges. After the syringe demonstration, the judge suddenly realized, quote, we are dealing with a serial killer more than with a Madonna of euthanasia. Now, once the judge made this statement, the prosecutor argued for more extreme charges because they assumed the jury would treat her like a serial killer rather than show her leniency because they sympathized with her alleged cause. Now, Christine decided to take her case all the way to trial because she was facing seven charges of first-degree murder. Well, yeah. What do you get to lose? Seriously. Yeah, totally. Now, she readily admitted to being responsible for the death of four of the patients. However, she was adamant that she didn't aid in the deaths of the other three. Now, Christine's trial began on January 20th, 2003 in Versailles. During the proceedings, she went back to her original claim. She just assisted them when they asked her to help them die. The thing is, two of her victims' families believed her. The rest stated there was no way in hell their loved one wanted to die before they could say their goodbyes. Now, the prosecution argued that by killing her patients, Christine was ultimately able to satisfy her sick compulsions. Family members testified that they agreed with the statements of the prosecutor. They also went on to say she didn't kill her patients for their good, but for her own. Even before the case went to jury, those statements turned more of her supporters against her. Once the jury broke for deliver deliberation, they were out for four hours. When they returned, they pronounced her guilty on six out of the seven murder charges she was facing. However, the jury found her claim to be logical enough for them. Even though they found her guilty, she was only sentenced to serve 10 years rather than life. Oh, wow. Cool, cool. Yeah. That was an extremely lenient sentence by most countries' standards. They also, re all, of course, they also officially revoked her nursing license permanently. You know, which good, you know. No, it isn't. Christina, come over well, here. You and I can play doctor and nurse. <laughs> yeah. All when, night long. <laughs> shut up. When all was said and done, the courts proved she was responsible for the deaths of six of seven out of the seven patients who died. Sometime between 1997 and 1998. Now, the seven patients were 64-year-old Raymond Baudet, B-A-U-D-E-T. They named him after a fucking butt washer <laughs> toilet. That's awesome. Yeah, I think this is actually Baudet. Baudet. Oh, no, he's Baudet but, now. <laughs> yeah, then there's Hubert Burel, Denise Lomont, Dominique Kosman, Patrick Hagwell, H-A-U-G-U-E-L. Okay, this one I can pronounce. Patrice Collin. Yeah, yeah that's pretty easy. <laughs> and then Jacques Gaton. Of course, there has to be a Jacques. <laughs> now, despite her relatively light sentence, Christine didn't want to spend that long in prison. She chose to appeal it. However, that wound up backfiring for her. By the end of that process, the Paris Court of Appeals decided to add two additional years. Damn it, Christine. You I know, right? And run, baby girl. Right. In the long run, it didn't really matter all that much anyways. She was released after only serving four years because of good behavior. Once she was free, she met a man, and the two are happily married. Oh, now she's broken yeah. my heart. She managed to get a job as an accountant. Oh, Which, cool. you know, good for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, France doesn't care about the reputation they have with the rest of the world. Perhaps they've truly earned the ridicule they have received throughout history. You know, they're always so wishy-washy. I'm not even going to pick on them for that. I'm really not. You're not? No, nah, I'm going to leave that one alone, man. Okay. Keep in mind, I've never claimed to be an expert in psychology. 
So my theory comes from my history of being raised by a woman who, for the majority of my life, was a well-respected nurse in our community. When you're exposed to the medical industry nearly on a daily basis, you tend to pick up on some things. As I was going over the case, one thought popped into my head. I think Christine suffered from, it's called factitious disorder imposed on another, which is another, you know, it's disorder used to be referred to as Munchausen syndrome by proxy. We've talked about this illness before, but here's a brief summary to refresh people who, you know, don't know. It is a form of mental illness, but it's a form of also a form of abuse. It is an illness that affects caregivers and it's most typically found in those who care for children and more often seen among mothers. Now, this disease generally causes an individual to act like their charge is sick when they truly aren't. Oftentimes, they were falsely inf- falsify information in medical records, lie to medical personnel about their chart, their, you know, patient's condition or health. And all of this is done to satisfy their need for attention. People who suffer from Munchausen syndrome or this factitious disorder might purposely do things to cause their patient to become ill when they aren't. Some will consciously expose their, their charge to unnecessary surgical procedures or risky, painful medical treatments. Now, um, there is a famous case about Gypsy Rose, who her mother, her entire life, first of all, she never knew how old she really was because her mother lied about her age for so long. And then her mother would purposely make her sick and made it look like she had like multiple sclerosis and had to be in a wheelchair. Jesus they, Christ. Yeah, man. they had the Make-A-Wish Foundation, Habitat for Humanity built their house. It was just totally bizarre. And then... Gypsy realized what was going on and she convinced her boyfriend who she met online to kill her mother. Actually, she told him, I will let you rape me if you kill my mother. Damn, that's a serious act of desperation. So there's a famous case about it and there's a show on Hulu about it too with Patricia Arquette. But it's actually a very interesting and bizarre case. Now... Um, oh, they may do things that will deliberately, deliberately create adverse symptoms that mirror actual illnesses. Sometimes they achieve this by administering poison, giving their person inappropriate medications, withholding proper nourishment and suffocating them and or withholding medications that have actually been prescribed that they need. Kind of like the hazard. The, no, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not feeding him and shit. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm, I'm picking up a... Ch- I hear you chirping, Big Bird. Yeah, so when a person with, you know, Munchausen's creates such situations, they are potentially placing their person in extreme danger and might cause death. So therefore, you know, like I said, it is a severe case of abuse as well as a mental illness. Some might be wondering how I arrived at this theory, but think about it. Christine demonstrated a complete lack of discretion. She confessed quickly, and she made appearances on television, and she wrote a book. She did everything she could to get the slightest bit of attention. In a social situation, she might have been referred to as an attention whore. Okay? Like me. No, you're just a man whore. I'm a total attention whore. Why do you think I perform? And That's true. But then <laughs> at the same time, you don't like to be in the limelight either. It's really weird because I like being in front of an audience and, yeah. and, and what have not. But like, well, you see me at shows. I kind of like I sit back and I 
you know. Yeah, you perseverate, and yeah. you always think that something will go wrong. Oh uh, yeah, that's just you know. That You're like, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just how my brain works. Like this is yeah. going to be a shitty show, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I kind of sit yeah. and don't say much, or I'll go outside and have a couple of cigarettes and. That's why I make fun of you and Avoid tell you, people. you know, I'll critique what you did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I have never seen it. I mean, I went to one show and I sadly missed the other one because I was in the hospital. But well, the videos are still online, man. I know. Well, well actually, I saw all, part of it. They're all in the in the shared drive. Yeah. So then there's the fact that her sister required the attention of her parents while Christine was being molested by someone they should have been able to trust. In other words, she wasn't getting the attention she desperately needed and thus was more likely felt completely neglected. Because, you know, her parents didn't realize there was something going on with her because they were so devoted to her sister. No, that that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, later in life, she sought opportunities to get the attention she felt she missed out on. The only thing this world can hope for is that Christine receives the therapy she desperately needs. That or she never really has children if she truly has Munchausen's, right? Because she might just fall back into her old behaviors and this won't be the last we'll hear from her. I don't think she will because, I mean, serious, on a serious note, if she met a good guy and her husband's very supportive and everything like that, which obviously you'd have to be. Because you know, you, you mar- yeah, you married a felon. You married, yeah, you, you married uh, a woman who uh, that some perceive as a serial killer. Yeah, you would have to be very, very supportive, right? To begin and if he's with. giving her attention, the attention she needs, then she might not. Yeah, and that that's just my thought on it. Yeah. So, so do you have any more thoughts on Christine? Because no, except that I'm all heartbroken because she got married and she's not going to come over here and play nurse with me. I know. I was so looking forward to those rubber gloves. I have some over there. No. I had to use them when I did your meat, you know, when I food processed your meat. Shut up. I said food and the processed. First, no, but the first thing he says when I did your meat. That's I know, because awesome. I realized what I said <laughs> and who I said it to, so I had to clarify. Oh, my God. Yeah, because, you know, when you're, like, touching all that stuff, you have to, like, wash your hands continuously, so I just wore gloves. All right, boys and girls, so we have a new page on our website at www.twistedbluellc.com. It's called Meet the Band, and uh, it has pictures of me and my bandmates and what have not. We're going to be posting some videos and uh, yes. tracks from the band. Uh, and, yeah, and there's an upcoming event that we'll have on there. Right, yeah. all, all upcoming events will be posted there. So why don't you guys give that a peek? and uh, A looky-poo. Yeah, a little, little peeky-poo. You know, and if you guys have any questions, of course, you can always send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. You can check us out on Medium and Crime Beat on Medium. Just type in at BrutalNation. We'll pop right up or wherever you get your blogs from. Also, look for us on YouTube. We have some, uh, you know, we, yes. we got we, we post this up to YouTube uh, and all that stuff. Once again, at BrutalNation. And, you know, just, well, just BrutalNation. It should Pull yeah, us right up and pop right up, and you'll be like, "Wow, they put together a cool slideshow yeah. that explains all this bullshit." Check us out on social media too, like um, yeah, Facebook, yeah, and Facebook and Twitter are the main ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get it. All right, this show is copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye bye. My.